The following program does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff or management of WFMD. It's Success Happens on 930 WFMD, blending business and politics. Success Happens with your host, Jen Charlton. Welcome to Success Happens. Good morning, everybody. It is so good to be with you today, and I am... I am so excited to share with you some amazing information uh, based on our experience at the Moment of Truth Summit hosted by Mike Lindell last weekend in Springfield, ready for it, Missouri. That's how they say it, Missouri. And uh, a lot happened, some really fantastic things and reveals, but also some bad things happened. And I, I want you guys to be clued into what we're dealing with in this five-dimensional conflict that we're in. Okay, so right now I'm going to start with, um, we're going to share some data with you, but I want to give you some context, okay? So across the country, people have been working really hard, and you heard some of the interviews last Saturday from the summit. Well, that was Saturday morning. That was at the beginning We had no idea the magnitude of what we had stepped into until Sunday night. And it was a rock'em, sock'em roller coaster. And I really recommend you go to frankspeech.com, sign up, and listen to the weekend. And do so in in, um, time. So in other words, in consecutive order. Because it will make no sense if you start Sunday night. It really will make no sense. So... Walk through the weekend with us. Follow along. Do that work because it will blow your mind. What came out of the weekend were things like many states have the same issues with ESNS equipment, which we have here in Maryland. And what I'm going to play for you in a minute is the, the Maryland um, synopsis. So Mike gave each state. 10 to 15 minutes, with the exception of a couple who had a lot more to discuss. Um, But he gave them, you know, 10 to 15 minutes to discuss what was going on in that state. At the end of all that, we went, holy cow, there's a lot of commonality. So what does that mean? That means that it wasn't random and capricious. It was strategic, synchronized and cooperated among the bad guys. It was a takedown in 2020. Now, for those of you who are rolling your eyes going, oh my God, just get over it already. You're going to hear in the show today why we can't. We can never get over what happened in 2020 because it was an attack on our democracy. It was an attack on our sovereignty, our freedoms, and on you and me. And now, as a result, you also know it was an attack on our children. And it's like nothing really hit us until they came after our babies. And then we're like, oh, hell no, that's not happening anymore. We're done here. So now what you're seeing is a rise in uh, going after election boards, going after boards of education. And let me tell you, you heard it here. Medical boards are next. They are unconstitutional. They wield their power. 
they intimidate. And in cases, in some cases, from a doctor friend of mine, from from that mouth to my ears, they're threatening them physically. We are done here. So I want you to take a listen to to the synopsis of Maryland alone, because this is our state. And for those of you in Pennsylvania, you need to go on and listen to Pennsylvania. Everybody in West Virginia, Virginia, you need to go in and dig into your state's information on frankspeech.com. Take a listen. Look behind you. It's a little bigger. Yes. So we could talk for days about all the corruption in Maryland. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I'll try to do it as quick as I can about the 2020. Um, As you can see, we have filthy voter rolls really dirty. We have registration dates from the future, year 2108. Uh, We have active voters. Back to the future. Right. We have active voters that should be inactive. We have inactive voters that, you know, should be not active. Uh, Lots of twins, um, all kinds of stuff. One of the big things in Maryland, we found out they... This is Dawn Valeni, who is has been on the show with us and she and Natalie Abbas presented Maryland's position and situation. That's who you're listening to. Deleted the video footage from the 2020 drop boxes. So they violated state and federal laws. All gone, huh? Um, We tried to present this and work with our local boards. They want nothing to do with it. They don't, Mm -hmm. absolutely zero transparency. So um, you have anything to add to this? Well, even when you call them, like the um, attorney general, they won't even give you a name or an email so that you can follow up. It's just really digging, and she's been the Jack Russell Terrier that has really torn things up. (laughs) So, you know, we just can't get anywhere. Um, I don't know. You want to keep going on? Yeah, just keep keep going. So, um, the videos is the big thing. I mean, they should be held accountable. They violated laws. Nobody will hold them accountable. Um, Then the big thing is 21 counties and Baltimore City received grant money from Zuckerbucks from a nonprofit called CTCL. Mm -hmm. Natalie's going to talk about a lawsuit, a RICO lawsuit, a little bit after we get through all this. Okay, and then we've got 2021. What's going on in Annapolis? 2021, Annapolis. They had all kinds of issues going on as well. So first off, they decided they were going to mail everyone the mail-in ballots. Like... Every regist- everybody, everybody, everybody's gonna automatically get got two them. or three of them. You said, <laughs> yeah, it was more like uh, it was a lot of them. So of the mail-in ballots, election day, there was almost two thousand votes. The mail-in ballots were almost eight thousand, just in mail-ins, mm. and that's you know just a small city, you know, of Annapolis. Um, they had candidates leading on election day that lost by a landslide after they counted all the mail-in ballots. And for some reason, they had over 1,300 less registered voters reported on Election Day than on the formal rolls. Wow. So it's like people just disappeared. And... Do we go on to this? What happened in your... Natalie, I want Natalie to interpret, because she's in studio with me today, what we just heard. So they said there were 2,000 and 8,000 mail-in ballots, whatever. First of all, break that down for us and help us understand, so what? Why is it illegal? Well, it's unlawful because you can't have all these mail-in ballots coming back. And when they do come back, if they are not, uh, so let's say they sent them out to an individual 
that individual wasn't there or lived there anymore. Then they came back, and it's what Jovan Pulitzer calls a cracked ballot, which is opened up, filled out, and voted for whoever you want to vote for. That's authentic because you know it was folded, it was mailed. Right. However, the individual with his name on it, his or her name on it, did not get to vote. So their voice was canceled out and replaced with whoever's behind the curtain. So one thing we want to bring into this is that when that occurs, they actually get two votes. The, The delta, what we call the delta, the difference, is two. So I lose my vote. You gain one vote. That's two. Do you guys get that? So, all right, continue with the, thank you for the explanation. Continue with the audio. Race for governor. Well, yeah, that was real nice. Our election day was on July 19th. Took them 27 days to give us our final results. On the governor's race? On the governor's race. Who was running for governor on the Republican ticket? Um, Dan Cox. Because I, I interviewed him. Yes. He's More than awesome. once. We want Dan Cox to win along with Mike Peruca. And then we had Schultz who was trying to do like the Biden campaign mm-hmm. where she never left her basement. <laughs> we never saw her anywhere during the whole thing. Never so. saw her. Right. So How about the unexplained Wi-Fi networks on election day. Yes. Yeah, so at the polling place where I worked, I checked the day before there was hardly any Wi-Fi networks. And then the day of the election, there was tons of them. So I kept screenshotting them throughout the day. Uh, and then you got another one in Hartford County winning by a large margin on election night, but lost during mailing. You yeah. had a lot of that going on. Yes, we get a lot of that. We had all those early voting days, and they don't count our mail-ins until after, You're, three days after. They don't count your mail-ins until three days after three the election? Three days after they well, that, start. that's helpful for them. So that's a result of the governor vetoing a bill to allow us to, to um, uh, count those votes earlier. He vetoed that bill. That would be your illustrious Governor Hogan. Isn't yes. it? They, didn't they know how many they need to come up with? Exactly. Non-citizens registered to vote via motor vehicle yes, administration. Yes, so our motor vehicles, anyone can get a driver's license. They're automatically registered to vote. I have a neighbor whose wife just got her citizenship. Mm-hmm. She went up to prove she was a citizen, wanted to register to vote. They said, we don't need to see any of that. You're already on our register rolls, so just go ahead and vote. So they didn't even want to see her paperwork. Right? Now, you wanted to share something before you conclude about. Right. So it we- now. OK, everybody. Now, what I want to do is I want you to understand what that just means. OK, that means that they were already on the voter rolls. We had Dale here, who's become a good friend, Livingston from Hartford, and she was fired. Now, this is public information and we can talk about it for bringing to attention to the Harford Election Board that they had pre-registered, let's say, uh, pre-assigned these illegals many years ago, you know, back in 18, I think, whenever it was. So she, she sounded the alarm. Wait a second. They're illegals. They can't be given, you know, autopilot, a voter uh, ID to vote. And they received a a mail-in ballot. And she said, whoa, 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 we can't be doing that. They fired her. That's your election, people. Now, is every election office crooked? No. Are some people in these these 
election offices crooked? Yes. Are there election board members who are complicit in the takedown of our country in 2020? A hundred percent. Here we go. We filed a RICO case, and it's a racketeering case. It's influence and corruption, and it's a lot like organized crime. It's a way that the act from 1970 has a way to kind of extend its tentacles. So the RICO is really about organized crime. If you think about the mob Mm -hmm. and the mafia, Mm -hmm. that's why we have these RICO laws. So it's going from... CTCL, which is the Zuckerbucks, right. all the way down to our local elections. And what we plan to do is just try to capture every individual that was wronged and didn't have a voice. We want to move forward and stop the corruption. Uh, Walter here is uh, Walter T. Charlton. He's the attorney on the case, and he's done a fabulous job. I'm the paralegal, and we've just been working our brains out, trying to get all this done to capture all the fraud. And we've really just kind of hit the tip of the iceberg. So we're working very hard. Well, thank you for that hard work. Thank you, ladies. Representing Maryland. Thank you. Thank you, guys. So welcome back, everybody. I think what we want to do now is take a quick break. And I just want you to ponder what we're dealing with. And it really... uh, Huge gratitude to Natalie Abbas, Dawn, Dale, um, Dave, another fellow working with us. I'll leave his name out of it. Um, We have people behind the scenes who have spent inordinate hours bringing their time, talent, and treasure to bear to try and save your vote. We'll be right back. Success Happens is brought to you in part by Flamingo Pool Supply, Industry Lane Frederick. The best for your pool today. When was the last time you had fresh homemade ice cream? Sweeties on the Creek is making ice cream. Stop in and taste our fresh made selections, including dairy free and all natural flavors. Enjoy a fresh cup of coffee with creamy shaker sundae. Taste a new fun flavor or an old yummy favorite. Sweeties, fresh made from cow to cone. Sweeties on the Creek, just up from Market Street. We're scooping now. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com, a service of Holtzapel Heating and Air Conditioning. Welcome back. Welcome back to Success Happens. This is Jen, and I have in studio with me today Natalie Abbas, who's been working her tail off. Literally, she has no tail. So, um to bring about the truth in Maryland because, and this, by the way, this transcends Maryland. Like we said at the top of the show, we know this is occurring in many, many states. So I had a call two nights ago with Missouri, okay? And they have a case out there. Arizona now is picking it up. They've got their, they've got many cases, but, but the point is we're all starting to collaborate and coordinate. And let me tell you, to the bad guys, they don't listen to my show. But if they were listening, they would hear me say, we're not giving up. We're not stopping. We're going to save our country. That's how it's going. So help me God. So Natalie, what is it 
that for, let's go back to Rico. We've got a few minutes for you to share about any more details about this Rico and give people an opportunity to participate in this process. So what what would you like to share with everyone? Well, definitely if you saw something, say something. Uh we are gathering evidence. We have about 15 exhibits now. Everything from ballot stuffing to uh, you know, they saw something or they were fired. Uh, they're an individual that's a candidate that has been uh, kind of wronged. He was ahead, you know, in the very beginning. And then all of a sudden, someone that didn't even campaign, kind of like the Biden campaign uh, in the basement, you know, they they actually won um, once they counted all the mail-in ballots. Some of this is obvious um, to to our eyes uh, as corruption. And what we're trying to do is really gather. Um, if I can go back to kind of the 30,000 foot view, um, there's a lot of folks out there that want to bring their cases forward. And the people that we met at the summit, like New Hampshire and Mexico and Texas and <clears throat> all these states, some of them, like New Hampshire, they don't have any attorney or someone that will lead the way. They have no courage. Uh, Let me say something about that. Guys, we are in what's called lawfare. You know what warfare is. This is lawfare. This is using the law against we the people, against our sovereignty, against our democracy, against our government. And these are these are people. This has nothing to do with party. If there's anything we've gotten clear about, right, this is not about party. It is so not about party. There are bad guys on both sides of the aisle and in the middle. So what we have to do is start using the law and we have to go through using the law on the offensive. Okay, we have to put them on the defense. It's time. We it, it, and and this is going to get worse before it get bad, it gets better. And you know, by the way, we can talk about the stock market crash yesterday, and our our country is imploding. There is no more runway, guys. We got two months before they're going to steal the next election. Now, what I saw when we were in these meetings is the scientists. You know, they you know they always talk about follow the science. Well, they don't follow the science when it's inconvenient. But we followed the science, and they have mathematicians, scientists, PhDs, and physicists working on this, and they are super-duper uber-smart, and they've got all the data. They've got the information. They know how it happened. They know that it does. these machines do indeed uh, go to the Internet, as pointed out by Dawn, and they lie. You know, here's the thing. Cheaters lie. They have to lie. But you know what the thing about lying that somebody taught me many years ago? The thing that stinks about lying is you can never remember which version you told. The truth is just it. The truth. So they will be found out. These these data flipping mechanisms and systems and algorithms. And I, I'm an idiot on this stuff, right? And I'm starting to get it. Like... They, we saw 75-25 result on a candidate. They flip them, flip them, flip them, flip them, move this one over here. They pull out of the ERIC system available voters who haven't yet voted. They know in time in Maryland through the ERIC system who has voted and who hasn't. And it's like going shopping for a vote. 
they pull it down off the shelf. They go, okay, you're for Biden. And then they, and then they, somebody walks in, and this happened in Hartford, and they say, hi, I'd like to vote. And they say, I'm sorry, you've already voted. No, I haven't. Yes, you have. No, I haven't. Yes, you have. No, I haven't. All right, well, you get to do a provisional ballot. What do you think happens with that provisional ballot? Becomes, you know, an airplane they toss across the room as they're giggling that they've just taken down a vote. It's disgusting. And if you all don't get as upset as I am right now, and as, as Natalie is, we are, we, are, we are failing to tell you the import of what we're dealing with here. And, you know, I was thinking about this just as an aside. You know, I'm really fun. I've become not fun. Like, I've had to become a warrior. I don't want to be a warrior. I don't want to be my little warrior princess. But you know what? This is the time for that. God has called us to be that in this moment. So the bottom line is they flip the votes by the end of that session on that voting situation. It was 51-49. How many times have you seen, ooh, it's a close call? Nonsense. It's not a close call. They flip the votes. That's what's going on. And frankly, we all ought to be super ticked. And you need to be telling the people who are somehow standing by their man, which is shocking, uh, Biden, and now it's going to be Westmore in Maryland. And Hogan's supporting Westmore. Are you kidding me? Enough. I call uncle. (laughs) So now it is up to us. To rise up and say no mas. We have to link arms. We do it civilly. And we say, now we've had enough. You're messing with our people. So all that being said, Natalie, we've got a couple minutes before we go to break. Anything more you want to say about that? So absolutely. Texas is a great example. And Ken Paxson, his courage He fought with 12 cases to keep the machines out of the state, and all the folks that were supposed to win won. And he encouraged 18 other states to come forward. Pennsylvania, they ended up with 205,000 more votes than voters. Well, on November 4th, or 24th, sorry, 700,000 more votes than voters. Okay, so stop. So let's talk about that. As our dear friend Doug Dr. Doug Frank would say that ain't natural. Okay. It just isn't natural in science. When we've seen these primary algorithms and the results of the elections that night, we saw, I've seen the data, the numbers of vote uh, votes drop off. Why do you have a decline on, on primary night of votes? You can't unless you have to reset your algorithms to fit the total number of voters available in that data set. So you have a million people, you can't exceed a million people. But here's the other kicker. They exceeded a million people. But here's the other thing. Mostly in the past, let's say, 10, 20 years, you only would see maybe um, 45, 50, 65% voter turnout. You never saw 90% voter turnout. It's it's statistically impossible because not everybody votes. So we know they're cheating. This is not rocket science anymore. It is physics. 
which is way over my head, but it's not over the head of Dr. Frank. And it's not over the head of Jovan Pulitzer. And it's not over the head. Who else? Draza. Draza Smith. Shout mm-hmm. out to Draza. We've had her on the show. The gal is unbelievably smart. She tracked all the numbers on primary night right here in Maryland. Okay. We know what happened. Go ahead. So I want to read uh, something that was in the segment for uh, Kurt Olson. He, you know... They drafted 48 hours of drafting documents. So Kurt Olson is the attorney for Mike Lindell. Mike Lindell. Right. And in his bill of complaint, this first paragraph just knocked me for a loop. Our country stands at an important crossroad. Either the Constitution matters and must be followed, even when some officials consider it inconvenient or out of date, or it is simply a piece of parchment on display at the National Archives. We ask the court to choose the former. And that statement just left us with awe. We need to do the right thing. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Sweeties on the Creek. We're scooping now. We'll be right back. I'd like to thank you for your support over the last seven plus years. From the beginning, I just wanted to make a difference by sharing knowledge and information to make success happen and to cause positive transformation for individuals, families, businesses, and communities. Our guests shared their expertise to provide success strategies and in some instances warned us about potential risks. Over the years, the show evolved and in 2020, In the midst of chaos and COVID, I shifted the show to Success Happens Blending Business and Politics to better reflect our new format focused on the intersection of business and power and the impact on we the people. Again, our commitment is to inform you about how to stay safe and free despite the possible backlash I may face. Information is power and we all needed a dose of power. The show has been a catalyst for transformation, shifting narratives, and bringing to light heroes and patriots now found regularly on other podcasts and media platforms. For example, we were one of the first to cover the issues of human trafficking that were being quietly dealt with in communities, but not in media. We covered it because it matters and may save a life. We have been invited as media and traveled nationally to bring to you information from events such as Clay Clark's Reawaken America Tours and our most recent media attendance at the Moment of Truth Summit hosted by Mike Lindell, where we conducted exclusive interviews and got updates on election fraud. From the beginning, I have self-funded this effort nearly 100% with the support of WFMD and a few amazing sponsors who helped us stay on air. I know you all appreciate their support to make our success happen. My sponsors have continued to thrive and prosper, and I believe we played a small part in their success, for which I'm grateful. However, sponsorships became scarce due to the vitriol against businesses and their fear of retribution if they support conservative views or causes. So to offset our costs, my family has spent tens of thousands of dollars buying airtime on WFMD and promoting the show as my contribution and calling from God to bring critical information to our national audience. Facebook has shadow banned me and YouTube removed my content, but we are still here. Now I have a big ask of you. 
Won't you please consider supporting our show with a small gift to cover coffee for my guests, airtime on WFMD, social media promotion, or media travel that brings you the critical information you need. A one-time gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Or please consider becoming a member of Success Happens for $25 a month. Together, we will make a big difference. Please go to givesendgo.com backslash donate success happens. Again, givesendgo.com backslash donate success happens to make a gift. Integrity, truth, and transparency on a solid foundation of faith in God remain fundamental to my work and critical, I believe, to save our country. Let's make success happen together. May God bless you and your family for your patriotism and support. The following program does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff or management of WFMD. Free Talk, 930 WFMD. Welcome back to Success Happens. This is Jen, and I have in studio today Natalie Abbas, who is a paralegal, and she's working on the RICO case that is uh, now alive and well in Maryland, 21 jurisdictions. So I want to just give some context. So remember something, okay? People are being arrested. There were 20 arrests in Florida where they supposedly have a pretty good situation. If they got 20, we've got hundreds, okay? People will be arrested, And if you know something and you saw something, if you don't say something and you were participating in that process, you're complicit. And these are felonies for each instance of fraud. So it's time for people to, as I said to a friend of mine who's a doc, you know, it's time for the docs to come clean and and save their soul. Okay, it's true for the those people working in this election process as well, because you're part of something way bigger than you may even realize. And if you don't say something, you're participating. Now, there is um, I want to I want to acknowledge President Donald J. Trump. He's took taken a lot of incoming. Over the years. Why? Because when he came down that escalator, he said, I'm going after the deep state. That's what this is. This deep state has been installing and flipping and maneuvering us for years. He revealed that it was going on. We did. We knew government was corrupt. We did kind of, you know, but we didn't realize the extent to which it was going to get ugly. But he did. It is my understanding that that there were many generals involved in asking him to run. He knew what he was getting into. And that man has put his life on the line literally for us and his families. And we owe him respect. And I don't care if you're a Democrat, liberal, independent, communist. Everybody owes him the respect that he has earned from us and if he was tough it was because he had to be because look what we're dealing with i want to say one more thing they will try and harm us but did the founding fathers know that they did they knew that they were fighting for their lives and their freedom recently at this weekend the truth summit There are a large number of people who stayed at the hotel on site 
who have come down with COVID. It is my belief, and this is verified, okay, four out of our seven party came down with sickness in varying degrees, including my father. You came after my father. So when you say that this is a bioweapon, it is a bioweapon. And they targeted that hotel. Because those of us who stayed off-site, thank you God, did not get sick. So when I say this is war, we're in war, guys. It's a five-dimensional war, and they're coming at us from all sides, and we need to work together. We're going to be peaceful. We're not going to be violent, but we're going to be smarter than they are. Now, and we have God on our side. All right. Last thing, the sheriff is the last line of defense. I want to play for you something right now. I hope we get through all of it. This is Sheriff Hargrove out of Houston County, and he is with the Constitution, Constitutional Sheriff's Peace Officers Association, and they are our last line of defense. Every sheriff out there needs to stand up and do their job on, on behalf of we the people and stop worrying about the next election. Here we go. Good morning. Welcome back. We are at the Moment of Truth Summit, and I have with me Sheriff Hargrove, who is with the Houston County Sheriff's Department. Thank you, Sheriff, for the work that you do uh, on behalf of your constituents, but also on behalf of all Americans, because we look to sheriffs like you to set a standard. Sheriff Hargrove, you are with the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. Tell us, first of all, a little bit about that association. Why is it important? Why does it exist? Well, it exists. It came out of a uh, a landmark lawsuit that uh, Sheriff Richard Mack uh, won uh, against the Clinton administration, and it had to do with the Brady Bill. And the Clinton administration wanted the sheriffs in, in, in the whole country to use a system to do background checks with on anybody that bought a gun uh, for any reason. And that was unconstitutional. It went against the 10th Amendment because we're not required to do the bidding of the federal government. We work for our counties and our states. So he won that lawsuit and out of that was formed the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. <clears throat> and the, the bottom line on that organization is, is to equip to instruct and remind peace officers, especially sheriffs, chiefs of police, and stuff like that, of the oath they took to defend and protect the Constitution of the United States and of their state. And the last four words of that is, so help me God. So it's an oath and it's affirmed by, so help me God. And I think sometimes as law enforcement officers, uh, peace officers, sheriffs, chiefs, that we get so busy doing what people think we're supposed to be doing that we forget to honor our oath, and that is defend the God-given rights of the citizens that elected us that are protected by the Constitution. Would you do me a favor and sure. speak your entire oath? Do you know by heart? A, a couple of different yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. Because some of the sheriffs have to take one where they also swear that they didn't take bribes and that kind of stuff. So it's uh, not quite the same in, in every state or, or every county. But we did, we do take an oath to defend and protect the Constitution of the United States and the, and, and the state that we live in. Isn't it against enemies, foreign and domestic? Is that in the oath? And some of them it is. But if we do that very thing, 
if we defend that Constitution, and if we do defend it against the tyrannical government, if we defend it against foreign enemies, uh, we're, we're protecting the citizens that voted us into office. Um, and, they, they, and they expect you to do that. Well, and that's what it's about. It's, it's uh, sure, we, 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 uh, we follow the law, we, uh, we execute the law, we make arrests on things, you know, burglaries and theft and drugs and stuff like that. But we also protect the people uh, of our counties. Uh, if we don't do that, in, in my opinion, we're a hireling. So it's not about, see, I think one of the dilemmas elected officials have is if I don't rock the boat, you know, then I'll get reelected or, you know, wow, maybe the complexion of my county is changing and I maybe I won't get reelected. That shouldn't matter. It's right now at this point in time, what are you charged with? Regardless right. of what the next election will do. That's exactly right. Yeah. But and the way I see it is uh, my position as sheriff, it's not a job, it's not a career, it's a calling from God. Uh, he called me into this and, and I'm going to do it. I swore that oath, uh, so help me God. And one day I'm going to have to stand before him and answer to why I did or did not follow my oath. And there's, to me there's nothing more important to, than that. The Constitution is in importance is second only to the Word of God in the Bible. Um, I've got to answer to my people while I'm here, but I've got to answer to my God when I leave this earth. Um, it's beautifully said. You know, I, um, I think that people forget that our word matters. And when we say something, or in the case of the Constitution, that written document, it, it's a word for us to honor at all times and that's why i was so struck by this organization i love that you are constitutional sheriffs now here's the problem there are many sheriffs who are not how do you reconcile that there are um i guess it depends on where you go and which sheriff you talk to as to what's important to them but what's important to me is honoring that oath that i took uh, for one Protect, it, it irritates me that that um, our citizens have to spend the last dollar they make uh, on an attorney to defend their constitutional rights when I swore an oath to do that and I don't charge anything. Uh, it just that's just irritating for me. Uh, I think God has put us here, uh, and I think that sheriffs, whether they're a constitutional sheriff right now or not. I think they need to get a hold of that. I think they need to go to a uh, CSPOA event like I did in the Woodlands, Texas back in uh, uh, early 21. And when I left that organization and when I left that conference, I felt like I'd been to a constitutional revival. At that point, I'd always thought that I was conservative, which I was and I still am. But I I couldn't, I never grasped the reality and the importance of honoring that oath. Uh, to me, it was something that you just had to do. Uh, I took it serious, but uh, as far as like I take it now, no, I didn't. Uh, it kind of removes the veil and, and, and you see 
You see what it's all about. And that's why I say it was a constitutional revival because it opened my eyes to what we're really supposed to be doing. I mean, yeah, we're supposed to arrest offenders and stuff like that, but it's not supposed to be uh, for unconstitutional laws. Not all laws are constitutional, whether we want to admit it or not. Uh, so, and that's where. So let me ask you this then, if it's an unconstitutional law, like in the case of COVID, mm -hmm. like in the case of COVID, uh -huh. where you, the people were demanded, now we're in Maryland, so we were demanded to put on masks, we were demanded to yeah. shut down our businesses, mm -hmm. we, were, we were mandated to get, uh, well they tried to mandate in the state of Maryland, there was actually a case against it, uh, for staff and students at University of Maryland. There's a big class action lawsuit. So at what point does the sheriff, I mean, it's a tricky tightrope, right? Your governor says shut down and you say, wait, 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 wait a second. Your governor says you have to take a jab. Wait, 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 wait a second. So at what point does a sheriff have the, frankly, it's the political courage to step up and say, no, that's not going to happen here. That, that is correct. It is, and, and he, the sheriff needs to know he has that authority first. If he don't know it, then he's going to bow down and kowtow to the governor, whoever. But the sheriff doesn't answer to anyone except the people that elected him. That's who he answers to. Now, if he becomes a scoundrel or a bad guy uh, and, and sure enough breaks state laws, etc., etc., the governor in Texas, in our state, can remove one of us. But I, I've never seen that happen. Uh, matter of fact, if, if the sheriff knows his authority and knows he don't have to answer to the president, the FBI, CIA, nobody. He don't. And, and as far as that goes, he's the chief law enforcement officer in his county. And if he has to, he can tell those guys to go take a hike and they need to go take a hike. Um, because he is charged with protecting uh, not only the Constitution, but the rights of the people in his county. Um, so in our case, let me just fill you in. Our governor weaponized the health department mm -hmm. the county he gave the county executives total authority so when the county executives had authority then the governor washes his hands of any responsibility gives it off to the county executives who are liberal and then the next thing they did was weaponize the health department sending the health department in to find people police people and now we're seeing other government agencies being used for that same purpose, not to mention the 87,000 yeah, IRS. Now, how, I want to ask, let's talk about IRS. So, so I, want every, I want everybody to know, this is Sheriff Hargrove, if you're just tuning in, out of Houston County, talking about you must, as a sheriff, honor your oath of office, or you shouldn't be a sheriff. And you are the last line of defense as sheriff between tyranny and the people. Go ahead. Good morning. Welcome back. We are at the Moment of Truth Summit, and I have with me Sheriff Hargrove, who is with the Houston County Sheriff's Department. Thank you, Sheriff, for the work that you do. Uh, on officer in his county, and if he has to, he can tell those guys to go take a hike, and they need to go take a hike, um, because he is charged with protecting uh, not only the Constitution, but the rights of the people in his county. Uh, so in our case, let me just fill you in, our 
governor weaponized the health department. Mm -hmm. The county, he gave the county executives total authority. So when the county executives had authority, then the governor washes his hands of any responsibility, gives it off to the county executives who are liberal, and then the next thing they did was weaponize the health department, sending the health department in to find people, police people, and now we're seeing other government agencies being used for that same purpose, not to mention the 87,000 yeah, IRS. Now, how, I want to ask, let's talk about IRS. So they're, they're giving these people the authority to shoot. They're giving these people authority to carry weapons. How do you feel about that? I think it's crazy. So nowhere in the penal code of Texas do we have the authority to shoot someone because they won't turn over records? The only time we can use deadly force is in defense of ourselves or defense of a third person uh, in, in that respect. You, you can't shoot somebody because they won't give you their record. Uh, if we have a warrant to go pick those records up and, and they they won't give them to you or they hide them, then then there's other areas we can do. We, you know, we can arrest for different things. But we can't shoot them for it. That's crazy. And That's tyranny. That is tyranny. And it's not going to happen in Houston County, Texas. Because I've got a 144-bed jail and I've got quite a few in there. But I'll put some more in it if I have to. And they can have three square. They can have three squares and they can watch TV. <laughs> All right, Sheriff, I have a question for you. Here we are at the, the Moment of Truth Summit being hosted by Mike Lindell with many experts talking about the illegalities around the election. Mm -hmm. You all have some authority around the elections. Can you explain what you see your responsibility is in terms of enforcing election laws and rectifying illegal elections? I think that's gonna vary from state to state depending on your state laws. The sheriff can, can investigate any infraction of the state law uh, in his county, and I don't care what it is, if it's election laws, it doesn't matter. He can do an investigation because he is the the uh, chief law enforcement officer in that county. Uh, now, if, if the state law doesn't talk about election laws and, and the feds do, that's up to the feds. Uh, the sheriff has authority over state law. So there may be some sheriffs who are reluctant to enforce uh, subpoenas or requests for video camera tapes that destruction of evidence mm -hmm. that's been requested right. even destruction of, of ballots prior to the September 3rd shred date how do you see your role in preserving the evidence for this important situation called election integrity I'm not sure I understand your question if you talking about just all of all of the ballots or yeah so if if in some cases the sheriff if if people it is my understanding that if election fraud is determined to be have occurred mm -hmm. you can be charged with the responsibility of enforcing those laws and going after the bad actors including board of election members including staff, including people who may have obstructed justice. Mm -hmm. How, if you're the chief law enforcement officer, 
And the unfortunate thing is you're also an elected official mm -hmm. by the very system that we're chart we're claiming right. yeah. is corrupt. It's mm -hmm. a tricky dance. Well, it shouldn't be tricky because if that happens in your county and you do an investigation and you determine that there is evidence, it's your responsibility to seize that evidence, whether uh, whether you have to do it by warrant or whatever, or, or uh, consent. You seize that evidence and then you secure it until that investigation's over and you present it to the prosecutor for prosecution. So shouldn't they be doing that now with this uh, ballots instead of allowing the election boards to destroy the evidence? Yes, there's no doubt. That, that is a, a, a felony in the state of Texas to destroy evidence. And so they should be charged with a felony if, in fact, in their state, uh, that is so. Wow. I think that's a breakthrough for us to start to understand because there are sheriffs that are not taking appropriate steps mm -hmm. in cases where they know that there's a problem and they are the chief law enforcement officer. And if we can't secure elections, we can't secure our freedom and none of this is going to matter. That's just, you're exactly right. And we have to do our due diligence if we know or we've been brought evidence that there is election fraud going on, we have a duty to go and investigate that and find evidence and, and find witnesses, uh, find whatever we have to, and then put that into a case, secure that evidence in, in, in a locked evidence room at our office, and uh, no one gets their hands on that until uh, the prosecutor takes it to court. And if the prosecutor decides, well, you know, we're not gonna take it to court, then, then the court can order you to give that evidence back. But until they do, that evidence stays secure in your vault. Fascinating. So one last question. How do you see your role changing or affected by what's going on with the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the controversies around that agency at this point? It really saddens me because they are supposed to be doing, and they take the same oath that I take, they're supposed to be protecting the rights of the people, uh, of the Constitution, that, that it protects the people. Uh, but why aren't they? You know, the question is why aren't they? Uh, I don't know if we'll ever get a good answer for that. But it comes down to, in my opinion, the sheriffs in each county if they will stand up and first learn what their authority is and then exercise that authority and then if there is a, a, an issue do an investigation if they find that there is uh, evidence that needs to be you know taken uh, either get it with consent or get it with a search warrant get it with a subpoena whatever you need and then put that evidence in a safe place in your evidence locker until you're done with that case and give it to the prosecutor it's that simple so Back to this FBI situation, in the case of instances where you're the, you have supreme authority as the law, top law enforcement officer in your county, the Federal Bureau of Investigation is supposed to be, I'm assuming, partners with you in certain cases. When there's white collar crime, when there's things that they have to go and investigate, you may be involved, you guys seize the evidence, right? How? But in the case of some of these things that are going on, we're becoming terrorists. They're deeming us terrorists yeah. for challenging their authority and frankly their integrity and their lack of honoring their oath. 
but they're flipping it on us. So how do we reconcile? I mean, this is really, I think, a concern of the American people. How do we know that we can look to you instead of the FBI? Because the FBI, we don't trust right now. We just don't. Well, the people need to look to their sheriff in that county. He's pretty much limited to that county on what he does. Now, there's some things in Texas that I have jurisdiction over in the whole state, but there's some things that I don't. It depends on the level of the offense. Um, and, and typically, each sheriff, he wants to kind of stay in his own little yard there and, and not ruffle the feathers of the next sheriff in the next county. But if it's necessary, then, then he should get with that next sheriff and work with him, tell him what's going on. Same thing with the FBI. If the FBI comes in, they should not come into a county without first notifying the sheriff and say, hey, we're working these people, we're doing this investigation. And uh, the sheriff, I think, has not only the duty and uh, the responsibility, but the authority to ask him, okay, I want to see your probable cause. I want to see your search warrant with that probable cause. I want to see what you're doing. If not, then you need to go somewhere else and work. And so he stands between us and the the FBI if indeed they've overstepped he or should. inappropriately levied their power. If they're if they're violating one of his citizens' constitutional rights, that's exactly right. He he has a duty to do that. That's beautiful. Well, on that note, we will say goodbye and thank you. Everybody, that was a fantastic exclusive conversation with Sheriff Hargrove out of Houston County. And he is a patriot and he is a a man of God who is honoring his oath. Thank you, Natalie, for being here on Success Happens. Everybody, go to WFMD.com backslash Success Happens and find the podcast. Share this with others. It's important to get it out. And we'll talk to you next week, Saturday morning, 9 a.m. on Free Talk 930 WFMD. This is Natalie Abbas with an election fraud update. A recently filed RICO racketeering case, Gibson v. Maryland, includes defendants from 21 Maryland jurisdictions, Baltimore City, state and local election boards, and CTCL, which is a nonprofit funded by Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg with Zuckerbugs. Also included are other unknown defendants. The case alleges that CTCL paid local boards $6.2 million and paid people to commit election fraud. If you saw something, say something. Email me at natalieaboss13 at gmail.com. Your information will be confidential. Make a difference, volunteer, or donate today to help with legal costs. Send checks payable to Charlton Scientific, 501c3, nonpartisan, nonprofit, to P.O. Box 370, Woodsboro, Maryland, 21798. For more information, email natalieaboss13 at gmail.com. Help us ensure free and fair elections. Thank you.